Million Dollar Sundays are here to stay. Playing a $1 million tournament is now a regular thing with the Million Dollar Sundays. Coming on Sunday, August 2nd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we're hosting a $1 million guaranteed No Limit Texas Hold'em Tournament, where the winner walks away with $200,000. This is our third million dollar tourney with more lined up in the future. You're going to love the Million Dollar Sundays Tournament with daily free rolls to win your seat for free, tons of satellites to qualify for a fraction of the cost, and free bank wires for the top nine finishers. Don't miss your chance to win part of the $1 million guaranteed. Qualify today for the Million Dollar Sundays Poker Tournament. AmericasCardRoom.com Okay, welcome to episode 44 of Ask Alex on the OneOuter.com podcast, sponsored by AmericasCardRoom.com. If you want to get 27% rate back from AmericasCardRoom.com, Simply click on one of the advertisements on the OneOuter.com webpage or in the podcast notes and set up your account and you will automatically receive 27% rate back. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at OneOuter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash groups slash OneOuter. This episode and all other Ask Alex episodes and in-depth interviews with players from Hellmouth to Greenstein are all available for free on the site and also via iTunes. Just search for the One Outer podcast. Alex, um, this is the first show we've done in a couple of weeks. I've been away slacking on holiday, and you've been playing scoop. Uh, how are things? I'm good, man. I'm uh, I'm pretty tired. Not gonna lie. Uh, playing poker every day and uh, losing is pretty exhausting. <laughs> surprisingly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, so let, let's start with that then, because I wasn't really on much Facebook or Twitter that when I was away, just like a couple of times to tweet out that there was a new episode and stuff. And so I didn't really follow your scoop uh, escapade. So give give a recap. What's the cliffs, highlights, lowlights? Uh, I mean, not a whole lot happened. I think I... Uh... Well, there's this cool thing with Twitch now is that there's a lot of hungry amateurs and there's a lot of good pros. And some of them don't even seem to like me that much, but they still watch my Twitch. Uh, And essentially, if I do something that, like, I can do, like, odd things, but, like, my analysis has to be there, you know what I mean? Because, like, if I just do something off the wall, like, somebody's just going to go, hey, you know, what are you doing? imbecile like you know like what what's going on and that's kind of a cool thing about twitch i didn't really think about when i got in there it's like there's a lot of times you know before people would watch me play and they would go that was a really stupid play but if like you can hear me like walk you through the three or four stats that led me to do it they'll go oh that makes perfect logical sense right so during the entire twitch i i made a point to uh I have, like, a new, like, tracking system, which I think we talked about in another, uh, we talked about in another uh, podcast, but essentially I just try to keep a record of, like, when I played the hand well, when I didn't play it that well, and when I played it really bad, and uh, I never really had a day where I made more than a few errors, uh, excuse me, I'm trying not to sneeze, I don't know what just, my dog came around, and I guess the pet nander, but, uh, I, uh, no, I mean, like, I final tabled, like, a, poker's a weird game, because before the scoop, I final tabled, like, a $500 tournament on full tilt, and I had, like, seven errors that day, like, just really clear big errors, you know, and, uh, 
I never really had more than a couple on any day of scoop. There's a, you know, obviously there's hands I wish uh, I played differently, but I, given the information I had at the time, it seemed it, it seemed like the best option. Uh, I made mistakes, uh, but not that many. And the ones I did tend to make tend to be like really small. Like I would notice like right away, I would still write it down as a note of like, Hey, you know, don't do that. But, uh, it was stuff like I read a, you know, I'd read the HUD wrong is always been one of my biggest mistakes. Like I have to go so fast, uh, between all the things like it happens. Like I'll look at the HUD right after and go, Oh, I looked at the wrong number. And part of the reason we created these Sassanato HUD the way we did is, like, there's letters to <laughs> write everything out. But, like, I still uh, – I looked at a few numbers wrong and, like, some small pots. and But, uh, yeah, I just, you know, now it, uh, pretty much it would come down to a crucial pot. I wouldn't win it. And, you know, I'd go on to the next day. And uh, I was the very first person to bust the 10K with aces to kings. And, like, I, I've never been oh. – yeah, like this frustrated in a mm -hmm. tournament series. Like I, I'm like, I'm never, I'm never the kind of guy to get that upset. And like, if I do get upset, my thing is, is like, I have a carpal tunnel glove and I'll like throw that just like a, you know, a bemused golfer. Like, that's just <laughs> like, you know, I like throw my glove uh, out mm -hmm. because that, and like, I, I, I straight up like slam my mouth during the 10 K. Like I just, you know, you wait for it for months, and it's like the fourth hand. Like we, I had a pot size bet left, and the king peeled off. I, ch you know, and I, I was just like, you know, the way the series uh -huh. is going, he has kings, right? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna check call. There's like 500 straight draws and flush draws he could have, and he's like a Brazilian PLO player who runs like 4120, who could have just like anything, and it's like, ah, oh, yes, king, king, cool. You know, like, that was, that was awesome. Like, and then, but I was really proud of myself because the one cash I had in the series came at the very end, and it was like, uh, I had one cash the entire series. And mm. uh, it was after the 10K bust, and, uh, you know, like, people were in the chat, like, Alex can't beat the games anymore, yada, yada. And I found out later it was uh, this one particular professional. It was a real... Uh, I, I'm trying to clean up this show. So I'm not gonna... you, can, you can you can name him. I know I can. I don't, <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to get. I mean, he like loves this stuff. Like he's a media whore. Uh, All right. So it's just like, it, it, you know, there's a few people, you know, uh, just dogging me. And then like the thing that made my day was I was like, you know, I I. I I wouldn't consider myself like a hyper religious person, but I try to like remind myself how stupid poker is. I was like, you know what, man, you know, God's up there. Everything's good. Right. And I just totally Tim Tebowed it up. Like I was just like, you know, man, like it, you know, God get allowed us to be here today. Why, you know, we're good here. We're just playing cards, man. We're just chilling. Everything's all right. Right. So I guess this guy who like really hates me, like turned on my Twitch to like enjoy watching me bust the 10k because there's a delay but he just heard so much like you know he just heard so much of that he was like i can't take this positivity man i'm out of <laughs> here i'm gonna i'm gonna go yeah. to twitter and hate on this guy right and there was a lot of that but uh yeah i ended up like i had like a 2x stack in like the 1k like main event and like you know it just 
I like I flop like top pair versus like top set versus like the most aggressive guy at the table and then yeah anyway I ended up like uh I don't know why the 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 you guys probably can't hear this but the trash man just came by like 4 hours later that kind of distracted me sorry but like he's coming he's coming to take all the broken furniture from your house <laughs> you know, <from> <laughs> it's true man I just threw it out but uh, <clears throat> I ended up cashing the 2K, and uh, I had a pretty decent stack, and then, uh, you know, I had a bluff go wrong, and then I, I lost a flip. You know, it was pretty standard operating procedure, but I felt I felt really good because I was like, I bet a lot of people just, you know, they're like, I'm done with this series after that 10K, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, I grinded it. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. I grinded it for 10 hours and, you know, got the cash. And it's, uh, you know, I think I think things are going to look pretty good from this point on. It just, uh, I just got to keep working on my game. It was, uh, a lot of people, I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, it was $40,000 that I lost, you know what I mean, in two weeks. Uh, that's not exactly, uh, that's not exactly, like, easy to walk away from, but, uh there's a big difference between like playing bad and running bad. You know what I mean? A lot of times you tell yourself you're running bad. You're actually playing bad. And this time uh, I, I'm doing a lot of work off the table. I'm doing a lot of work on the table. I'm putting more in the hours. And I, I'm really convinced like if I was making mistakes, like they are so obscure, you know what I mean? I just, it, it would be really hard for anyone to find them. And if anybody's going to find them, it's going to be myself uh, given my work ethic. So, and I, I don't think there's many people playing the game today who have my prowess when it comes to Nolan and Holden, my knowledge. So I don't really take this as a huge setback. It's more, I'll be honest with you, I hadn't even thought of it until we started talking about it, but I was like, I didn't even like think about it. Like I was just like, when Scoop was over, I was like, I know most guys are like depressed for weeks when they you're expected to not make money in scoop. Like that is normal. You're, if you play all the high stakes, mid stakes tournaments, your most likely result is to lose between, between 10 to $40,000. That's your most likely. Now, obviously like four, I mean, 50,000 actually would be like the upper end. Now, obviously like 40 K is on that upper end, but I, uh, you know, I feel fine. I've, I've been enjoying like, you know, doing my card runners videos this week and like doing my webinars. And it's nice to just be able to like turn on music and be at my desk and like watch the hands. And it's been, you know, like you can verify the cool thing with card runners is I get to like watch myself play and like review my hands like I used to do for free. But now I can just turn the recording on and go, Hey, uh, check out this thing. I found out, you know, this, yeah. this bizarre play I did totally profitable. Eat your heart out. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> I can prove it. And then sometimes, you know, you got to turn it on. It's like, yeah, this play that looks super sexy and cool, total boneheaded move. <laughs> According to the EV calculator, don't do it guys. So, you know, it's uh, it's fun. It's fun. Like, uh, I, I still really love what I do in poker. And, yeah, Scoop didn't beat her that. Yeah. Well, so you're just saving all your run good for the main event. That's yeah, it. I mean, just the main event, $10 million. That'll be yeah. – I mean, Vegas is going to be crazy this year. I'm playing – I'm only going out for the last two weeks, but I realized – I was, like, booking my hotels and everything. I was, like – if I told myself when I was 17 years old – the World Series is literally not going to be worth your time. 
you are just going to go out for the last two weeks because that's when the Bellagio 10K, the Venetian 5K, and the WSOP main event will be. Like, I'd be like, whoa, man. <laughs> like, that's pretty right. cool. And I'm staying at the $56 a night Gold Coast. What up? <laughs> like, so I hear there's a good TGI Fridays there. <laughs> oh, man, that's the worst place. Uh, tell me that was a joke. Yeah, it was. It was. That's the worst rest. <laughs> the worst thing is there's a buffet there, and they give you like a $10 coupon every day. But when I checked in there the first time, I just got that hotel because I, I found a deal on the internet where it was like 52 bucks a night, and it's like right across the street from the Rio. And uh, I don't know, like the Rio scares me. Like the a friend of mine pointed this out, but like the dead looking girls, like dancing with the music, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be in this environment. I stayed, I stayed at the Rio for, I think three nights, maybe four nights. No, three nights. The creepy I, moment, huh? It, it was just a strange place. Um, the, the, I heard a lot of uh, theft at, well, that was uh, 2012, three years ago. Um, uh, there was a lot of theft at the uh, the Rio. Oh, um, really? Like, yeah, when the World Series was on, like, definite, like poker players getting their safes burst open and stuff. Wow, the safe. And uh, yeah, it was there was a couple of times uh, going. It was um, if like back then, it was like people on two plus two and Twitter were speaking about it. Um, a few people, and I think Vanessa Silk mentioned someone that she knew got robbed or something something there was a few anyway it wasn't like an isolated incident and it was like poker players being targeted you know which would have been really bad publicity for the Rio given that the World Series is actually you know hosted there <laughs> yeah um, and it was just yeah I stayed in a room like the room it's an all sweet hotel as they like to think but it's so dated like the furniture yeah, and stuff is weird it was just tired the whole place was just tired you know it was, it's, it's yeah weird. okay two points Finishing my point that I forgot just really quickly, nobody explained to me there was a breakfast buffet at the Gold Coast, so I ate at TGI Fridays for three days before someone explained it to me at the Gold Coast. Number two, I see poker players like leave like $2,000 out on their bedspread, right? And I'm like, when I started playing poker, okay, it was on, it was on, a, it was on a road call. I moved to this place called Casino Road. And it was like, if you Google this place, Casino Road Everett, it's like Casino Road has a reputation. Drugs, prostitution, gang warfare, blah, blah, blah. But it also happened to be one of the places poker was legal in, or in around the Seattle area, right? So there was a ton of card rooms. You know, sw you know there might, there, something might come up. But yeah, it was like, you know, you put your money in your backpack it was like, it, the way you did is you put some money in your pocket, so if the guy came to jump you, you could just pull that out, and, you mm. know, hopefully the guy would walk away, and, like, he'd be satisfied with that. You put a little more in your backpack if you had that, but you put most of it, like, in some place in your shoe or something, and then you usually carried something that could assist in a fight should it break out to the guy wants to go for, like, the big part of your bankroll, Right. If somehow he had prior knowledge, like that's where I started from. So like when I see these kids, like, you know, there was a guy on like two plus two, like, yeah, man, I just, I, I got money stolen from my 
uh, hotel. Well, was it in the safe? No, it was just in my bedside. Uh, You know, it's like, well, what'd you, you know, like a woman's making seven bucks an hour. She sees like $4,000. Like, you know, I'm sure she's a good woman, but like, like, you know, so people have their limits, you know, especially if you didn't put it in a safe, they can just be like, oh shit, I didn't know what happened. I excuse my language, but I can't, I'm still bad, man. I still slip up. But yeah, and it's like the safe though. I've never heard that. The safe getting busted open that's insane yeah yeah that's scary i know it's crazy but like you say it's common sense in your room you don't don't leave money on a bedside and like walk out and stuff like that you know yeah. i mean i was just on holiday there two weeks it was really good hotel and um, everything was you know great there wasn't an ounce of me that thought you know anything but i'm not going to be the idiot that leaves like my phone or a pile of money like just in the room when i'm not in it you know, like exactly. ha- housekeeping come in or anyone comes in, you know, or another guest comes in, like every room had a balcony and you could like, don't get me wrong, you couldn't really get onto the next one. You know, it was quite like extended and stuff, but still, it's just common sense. It's just, yeah, yeah. I, I don't even want to say street smarts. It's just like yeah, common be, sense. It's not street. No, it's not street smarts. It's common sense. It's what, yeah. should, if you would like to keep your money, follow these steps. Like it's not. Like, in fact, this could be the whitest thing ever, retaining your money, not street smarts, you know what I mean? But, like, (laughs) it's, uh, yeah, it's bizarre. I don't know. The level, the lack of, like, just common discipline and sense by poker players never ceases to bewilder me. But, anyway, we have, as per usual, Barry, it seems we have beat a dead horse quite sufficiently. Yeah, that's it. Well, it's, it'll make a change, you know, from 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 beating other things during scoop because <laughs> <laughs> that's it. All right, I'm going to leave you alone with scoop. Let's scratch that on to the next one, and uh, you got W Coop later in the year to get it all back. Uh, you know, yeah, you know, what, I'll even out. I'll even out. All does. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, we got tons of questions. Um, while I was away, a few of you emailed in and stuff, and I got back to let you know it would come on to this show. So. Um, all right, Alex, I'm going to give you a choice here. Um, you want to just take them chronologically, or do you want... The first one, I'll warn you, is it looks quite... I've not read through it yet, but it's lots of symbols and stuff everywhere. When I say symbols, I mean hand history and stuff like that. Or do you want to go into a nice sort of um, chatty question? All right, why don't we do the hand history first, then we'll go to the chatty question. Okay. Um... Here we are. And this is from Hiki or Heike. Uh, H-E-I-K-K-I. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Sounds like a Finn. Anyway. Definitely. If I was betting, I would say Finnish, yeah. Uh, okay, hi there. I was listening to the podcast, and you were discussing about the 4-5-6 bet bluffing. In particular, you said that you 4-bet bluff with ace-x blockers. Could you elaborate on that? Um, it's because I went through a big tournament uh, final table spot where I 5-bet bluff jammed ace-10 offsuit. Then I went to uh, HRC and analysed the spot. Um, it's be- Players are about 50 to 60. Let me just... Sorry, Alex. I'm just going to quickly yeah, check yeah, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. So, that, so, so, well, what, what to do is... I mean, he's gave us the first question. This is one of these a few questions in it. So... In particular, you said that 4-bet bluff with ace-x uh, blockers. Could you elaborate on that? If you want to talk about that, and then I'll read through this a little bit just now. So Yeah, sure. Uh, basically, like, I'm putting out, uh, 
like, I, I just pulled up my Flopzilla to talk about it. So, like, let's say you're 4-betting and you think the guy's 5-betting range is ace-queen offsuit, ace-jack ace suited, and, like, 10s, right, above that. Now, that that's 70 combinations, those, those hands, right? Now, if you just have the bare ace of hearts, it goes from 70 combinations down to 58. So... That, as you can see, that's a pretty big reduction. Like, more than one-seventh of the guy's hands have just been reduced. And let, let me do that really quickly to see what percentage that is on my calculator. So you have just removed 17% of, with that bare ace, you've removed 17% of the combinations that are going to five-bet into you. Now, typically, what I tell people is you're removing about, like, 12 to 15% of uh, what people have uh, in their five betting ranges because I try to give people like wider five betting ranges now. So there's more pairs and stuff uh, which are not exactly affected by the ace, but that ace is pretty important because I, I I'm looking at, so out of these 70 combinations, like, you know, the tens will represent six combinations, the jacks six combinations, but the ace queen off ace king off that's 16 combinations each. And, uh, the ace-jack suited is uh, 14 combinations each. And, like, the suited aces, as you can see, the majority of the range uh, is eaten up by ace-x combinations just due to combinatronics, like how many uh, combinations there are of each. So pretty much exclusively when I four-bet bluff, it's with an ace blocker. Now, a lot of people would like to think, like, a king blocker should be pretty similar. Um, if we put a king of hearts into our dead cards, uh, that's eight out, uh, that, that removes eight combinations. Now, this makes sense as to, it, it's usually about as half as effective as an ace. This makes sense because a lot of people will play ace-deuce suited from, like, any position, but, like, they, like, won't open king-deuce suited from the button. And extending it to four-betting, five-betting ranges, uh, it, it's not really, uh, you, you, you're not, a lot of people are not five betting the king jack suited, no matter how much like ape style shows you the math and shows you it's right. There's just a lot of people that won't do it, or they'll put those king x combinations into their flatting range, which I think is pretty intelligent because uh, the you have a lot of flexibility with the king x Broadway cards uh, post flop in that like if you check raise or just raise a c bet with those hands, typically your king and other Broadway card are pretty live uh, because, like, people are not getting involved with, like, 10-6 and, like, King-4 and stuff nearly as much as they're getting involved with Ace-6 or Ace-4. So if somebody has a pair on the flop, a lot of times it has an Ace kicker. So if you were bluffing with an Ace post-flop and you hit the Ace on the turn, a lot of times that's a reverse implied odd because your opponent just made two pair. Also, it's very bad to raise with an Ace on the flop uh, because you're blocking all the ace-x combinations that you want bet folding. So I, I typically take the, uh, I typically take the king x's to more flops, and I make the ace-x more of my, like, randomizing four-bet bluffing range. Uh, I don't know if this is just because of my image or because everybody's such a nutcase pre-flop now. I don't really like four-bet, five-bet bluffing as much as I used to. Uh, I, obviously, I'm forced to do it once in a while. But it's not like in the old days, like in 2008, 2009, like 
You, you like there was always one guy at the table who'd figured out like three betting people was the way to go. And like, if you just four bet him back, a lot of times he never knew what the hell that was and he would just mock. And, uh, that doesn't happen nearly as much. The players now are much more ed- educated and they know like oftentimes the way the stack sizes are, the five bet is needs to work the least amount. Uh, it just given how much money is out there, uh, it, the five bet needs to be the least effective bet. Whereas back in the day, people thought like, oh man, if you're five betting, you better have Queens plus. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, what I'm going to do uh, in fairness to the guys, I'm going to read out the next part verbatim. Okay, cool. And um, you may have covered the uh, uh, part of it when you were reading there. Obviously, I was reading, so I, I couldn't really take, uh, take, you know, I, I'm not a woman. I can't take two streams of information in Me at neither. the same time. <laughs> you know, so... Uh, okay, and he's got um, basically yeah. He listened to podcast and that he there was a final table spot where he five bet bluff jammed ace ten off and he analyzed it. So the players are about fifty to sixty big blinds effective. Okay. The button the button opens. He three bets. Uh, then the other player four what, bets. What what position? The, um, I wonder if it'll that, say that, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, it, it might say there. I'll just read it. So the button opens, I three bet, okay. he four bets, and I five bet jam. I figured out that ace-x is very bad for bluffing because we block our opponent's ace-x bluffs and keep his queen-queen-king-king uh, value combos in. I checked out that the best blockers are king-x and queen-x because it blocks half of his nut pockets, queen-queen-king-king, and doesn't block any of the ace-2, three, four, five, six, etc. bluffs. Combo-wise, is usually a spot where villain's value range is very narrow, right. which I think holds true when 4-bet, 5-bet is possible because stack sizes need to be somewhat deep enough and I can't see ace-queen, jack-jack type of hands uh, being better bluff catchers. So the value range is ace-ace, king-king, queen-queen, and maybe ace-king Okay, so that, bluff range. Okay, so this is a very specialized situation. What you're talking about now is, like, something they talk about in cash games, where, like, guys do not... Like, their range is, like, ace-ax, crap, and, like, queens, and they're, they're never, like, four-betting for value, like, ace-queen suited. Uh, in that situation, yes, like... Uh, uh, your your ace is like blocking all the combinations you want him bluffing with. So he's made a very very astute observation where, in this situation, uh, like yeah, a king or queen blocker might be a lot more beneficial. And I can, I commend him on like thinking through that. But at, at the uh, th- that was definitely a very high level like analysis. Uh, that being said, um, I, I I think we're kind of missing the forest because of the trees here. Um, the ace-10 offsuit, like, okay, you can three-bet that from the small blind. I like that from the small blind because a lot of times if you flat the small blind and the big blind calls, you have a draw to one pair. And one pair in a three-way pot a lot of times is going to be the greatest second-best hand by the Turner River and it's going to get you, it's going to get really expensive for you. So three betting that to get it heads up. And a lot of times guys are going to flat you with ace nine through ace two suited. And the cool thing with no caddy, which we've harnessed with the assassinohud.com, is you can see if the guy flats the lesser aces and whether you can go for that 
Like, you can three bet ace 10, and like, if you flop the ace, go for three streets against a lot of these guys and get paid off. Uh, now, if you're in the big blind here, I really did not like how this hand was played because did he say this was at a final table? Yeah. Okay, I'm assuming 50 to 60x was one of the chip lead stacks. The moment you now you're the jammer, which is great, and you do need a little of this in your game, but like the moment you and another guy get a hundred plus big blinds in, uh, and there's like a 15x stack and a 20x stack, it's really important to remember here that like we you've just walked around the table and like paid every short stack like hey here's some equity you here you get some equity and you <laughs> you get a lot of equity and uh you got to be careful about that now that doesn't mean necessarily three betting ace 10 offsuit is a bad option it's just if you knew the guy had a lot of four bet bluffs in his range a lot of times yeah you got to either be prepared to five bet in here for value which i don't think is a bad play uh, it, it just in my overall schematic for MTTs, I don't love it because if this was heads up, that's what you want to begin with because ace-10 off is a drawing hand to a decent pair, which works really well heads up. And post-flop, I think you have a uh, – I, I do think you have a lot of uh, power here. Uh, a lot of times you can check call with just the high card and people are not going to fire the turn. Uh, at a final table, they're just really afraid to do a double barrel. That'll look stupid. Not always, but sometimes. If you see the guy had some post-flop deficiencies, like let's say he just always fires flop, never fires turn, or like uh, a, a, something along those lines, or sometimes people like their flop seabed is like 30 40%, and then you look and see what their fold is on the turn, it's like 60%. This is, pre this is pretty obvious. When the guy has it, he bets the flop. When he doesn't, he folds on the turn. Because you're going to miss the board about 60% of the time. You're going to have it about 40, right? So if you saw it now, a lot of times I see guys get into these five-bet wars in my hand history reviews, and I find, like, a glaring post-flop error in their player, and it would have been much, like, it would have been much more exacting. It would have been much more, uh, much more cheap if you're wrong. Like, if you're wrong with a bet on the turn with that previously mentioned player, it's like 3.5x. If you're wrong here, it's 50x at a final table. As you can imagine, that can, uh, that, that can be quite stress-inducing to the bankroll. Uh, that being said, I really love uh, how this young Finn, I assume he's young, because most, <laughs> most people in poker are, uh, you get you get kind of curmudgeonly by our ages, Barry. But stop, a lot of guys our ages stop studying and go sell antiques and stuff. <laughs> but like, uh, yeah, no, I know. I really love like how he's thinking about poker. He's obviously putting the work in. He made a great point we didn't make on that last episode, which really should have been made. So I really thank you, man, for writing in. That's a really big point we need to bring up as far as when we're bluffing with five betting ranges as opposed to our four betting ranges, what what blockers we should have. Cool, cool. Um, okay, the next question is from Chase Bianchi. Uh, well done on the show, gents. Great stuff. Alex, I want your opinion on my situation. I'm moving with my wife to Maryland. So, or Maryland? Is that how Ma you say it? Maryland. I don't, I don't know. Maryland. Actually, I don't know why we say it that way now that I think about it. It's like, Mary, it should be Maryland. 
Like, but that 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 sounds like a Marlins, isn't it? Yeah, Marlins. yeah, yeah. That sounds like yeah, a Christmas Marlins. theme carnival, like Maryland. Like, but yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Okay, so we're moving to Maryland. Moving to Maryland, so that I can play poker full time. I will have a fifty to seventy k bankroll, and the daily games are as big as five ten NL and five five PLO with ten twenty five NL running weekends. What kind of game selection and bankroll considerations should I be exercising? I'm confident I will be a winner up to the 510 NL shortly, if not immediately. Also, I've played professionally, well, I put my teeth in, for three, for three years. But the last four years, I've been working a 9-to-5 and only playing poker occasionally. I could use a refresher on basics like opening ranges and full ring adjustments, etc. Any recommendations? Well, uh, I, I mean, there's a lot of information here I don't have, like how, like, uh, what your bankroll is, the 510 game, uh, uh, what your results were the last few years. I'm a little worried that you labeled yourself as a professional while you kept a nine to five, because uh, I, I think there's no, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it just. Uh, I'm worried you're, you think you're a little more prepared than you are because there's a big difference between having a nine to five. There's also a big difference in like playing. I can say this from experience. I didn't like just being a pure professional poker player. I had like, uh, I, I mean, I, I near had nervous breakdowns sometimes just with like the six figure swings when I was playing like tournaments for a living on my own dime. And I, that's why I've really gone into the business side of things is I prefer, I kind of, I, I work nine to five a lot of days and I like that. And, uh, I, I like having my evenings off and not, you know, hold up, honey, I'm deep in a 55 tournament with 103 runners. Hold on. But like, uh, I, I would say yeah, the, the problem with a lot of these card rooms is like, okay, if you're working a nine to five, typically the days you play a lot, are Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday is when all the quote-unquote fish play, but like the tourists. And uh, those days are pretty easy to beat. So you might have this like record book of just racking win after win after win. But once you start playing full-time, uh, uh, you know, you're like five-sevenths or four-sixths uh, or whatever, like – 50 to 60% of your days are the weekdays and it's just regs. That is a very different ball game. And there's a lot of guys that go in doing really well on the weekend. I mean, I, I can tell you like from my very brief experiences playing live, I was never a live grinder. I never enjoyed it quite like I enjoyed online. Uh, it, I, it, it was like a lot of times my friends who do play live, like they'd see a guy who only plays the weekends, like go pro and, like, show up on a Wednesday, they'd be like, oh, man, this is going to be sad. Like, uh, we're just going to eat this guy alive, right? I would uh, I, I would not be uh, – I, if you need some refreshers on opening ranges and stuff, I wouldn't uh, – I would recommend, like, maybe your first couple of weeks, like, playing, like, a smaller game, like a 2-5, or, like, even a 1-3, just to, like, get your bearings and get used to, like, playing every day and see how you're feeling. Um, there's nothing wrong with playing online in the United States either. There's really good options. Like, I'm not going to mention our competitors, but there's a lot of good options in the United States. A lot of like really, and like, 
America's card room, like, uh, you get your cash out in, like, two days. Like, uh, they, they've been dealing with poker players since, like, two th- I, American poker players since, I think it's 2001. And my buddies who play on, like, WSOP.com and America's card room are like, yeah, I'm starting to play on ACR, man, all the time because I get my cash out in two days and I got, I got bills to pay. You know what I mean? And they're also, uh, I think as far as your, like, long term, I know there's, like, a romance to playing live and stuff. But, like, if you're going to be a live professional poker player, prepare to develop a leather ass. You will be there all day, every day. Uh, it, like, when I did play live, like, it, we're talking 60, 70 hours a week, you know what I mean? And, like, I, I just, uh, it also, you're not, okay, you're doing 60, 70 hours, but how much are you really getting done? You're playing, like, the way everybody time banks on every hand now, you're getting, like, 30 hands an hour, you know what I mean? It was incredible to me. I was tracking all my hands at the WPT, and I was, like, having a blast at this WPT. All the people were really cool. And, like, we were playing fast, right? It was a bunch of, like, pros, right? And, like, it was, and if it wasn't pros, it was, like, guys who knew their way around a poker table, right? And, like, I played 250 hands in 14 hours. I can't tell you how many times I sit down to play, like, four tournaments, online and I get that number of hands in like two hours you know what I mean so okay there's this thing okay they they were trying to figure out uh they were trying to figure out why Brazilians were amazing at football what my countrymen call soccer Barry and uh they were (laughs) your country country man of just busted FIFA yeah (laughs) It had to be. It's pretty funny. It's us, right? Like it couldn't yeah. be bothered about football at <laughs> any other time. And it's like, wait a minute, can we get money from them? I don't know. I know there's there's, there's no oil in like football. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this meme, but it was like, did you hear one of Jupiter's moons, Titan, has more oil than the United States? Then you see the American Eagle. I think it's time Titan gets some freedom. <laughs> it was like one of my favorite memes. But anyway. I always want to call it meme because that's what they call it down here. But, like, anyway, uh, they were trying to figure out, like, why Brazilians – like, exporting Brazilian football players is, like, a billion-dollar industry. There's, like, Polish teams that, like, have, like, on their squad, like, 10 Brazilians and, like, out of, like, 18. And uh, you know what I mean? Like, you're – it, there, there's a lot of times they're talking about how can we get the 47 Brazil, year old Brazilian here? Well, who are we going to replace? Well, the 24 year old Czech. Okay, let's do it. And they were trying to figure out like why, why you know is Brazil this hotbed of talent? And you know a lot of people said like poverty, right? And it, it's like poverty and like the good climate and the culture. And, you know, a lot of researchers went in and went, well, that doesn't make sense because then El Salvador, the most poor country in Central America, should just be pumping out football players, you know, because everybody's so desperate there. And uh, it it wasn't really that. Anyway, so this one guy, he was from Britain, uh, he told people, I'm going to go figure out what they're doing in Brazil. And he got a grant. Everybody... You know, he showed up and he was like living in the ghetto because he couldn't like afford anything else. And he went to the beaches to figure it out because that's all they ever show you is Brazilians playing football on the beaches. And like, 
you know, it didn't make sense at all. And he was like, well, they're not doing anything here. And then when he went to the inner city every night, because that's where he was sleeping, one day he saw they were playing this like little game and it wasn't quite soccer. It wasn't quite football. It was something else. And it was the reason Brazilians were so good was because they had to play this game. I, I hope I'm pronouncing this right. Futsal. And it's like, it's essentially like football in the salon, which is yeah. the room. Yeah. Maybe you've heard, they brought it to Britain, right? It was like, it's like a heavier, smaller ball yeah. and stuff. It's like that yoga. Oh my God. You're the, first, in or something. you're the yeah. first person I know who knew what this was. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. So what they found out was like, they would play this, like they would play like football in a super small area where you couldn't just kick the ball down the field whenever you were in trouble. Right. Cause the ball was heavier and that's where Pele and Ronaldo and all those guys learn their footwork. Because, like, believe it or not, back in 1958, like, the leaders in football were Hungary and the Soviet Union. You know what I mean? It's really funny to imagine now, right? And, like, these guys, uh, 1958, I think, was the first year they won, Brazil won the World Cup. Don't quote me on that because I'm American and we really don't care about this sissy sport. But it's, uh, he, they showed up there and their footwork was just incredible, right? And, like, they could just... You know, a Brazilian would be surrounded by six guys and just, whoo, 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 I'm out, right? And then they would be running for the goal. And they found out it was futsal, and they were like, oh, you know, it's because of this. And this researcher found out you touch the ball six times as much when you play futsal. It's played with five or six players. And it's, you just are touching the ball a lot more, and you have to keep the ball a lot more. Now, if we extend this to poker, poker... Live poker would be about the worst way to learn because of how few hands you get. And full ring live poker, which is what I think you want to play, would be the absolute worst because you could go an hour and a half without playing a hand. Easy. You know what I mean? Whereas the best poker players in the world, what, what game do they all play, Barry? PLO. Uh, PLO. That's a really good one because they have to play all the time. What's the other one? Uh, Chinese. Chinese. Ah. <laughs> what do, uh, what, what do they all play? Oh, excuse me. What specific type of hold'em does Dur, uh, Izzel Dur? A heads up. Exactly. All of them play heads up. Every single one of them, right? Why is that? Well, they probably play a thousand times more turns in rivers than the typical nine max player. Nine max, you don't get to that many turns in rivers. Patrick Antonius has probably seen a million rivers. You know, it's just like, it, it's just repetition and getting those reps in. So uh, I'm just letting you know your career course is the absolute worst way you could find your way as a professional poker player. I hope this helped. Uh, but no, it's, I, it's a very romantic notion to play live poker. And a guy like Doyle Brunson, you know, a lot of people go like Doyle, you know, he's, I've probably played seven times as many hands as Doyle, and, but he knows way more than I do about poker, but yeah, at what expense, you know what I mean? It's like 50 years to get, mm. and I mean like, and then they were like, well, he won those titles early on. And it was like, well, poker was very different early on. You know what I mean? Now that doesn't mean there's not like live players who are incredible. Uh, it, the, I only know the ones in the Seattle area, but like Tyler Patterson, I think is his name was, uh, he has, I don't know if he has more than one WSOP bracelet, but there's like guys who hang out, every day at the card room and crush the game still, right? But uh, I find you need a little bit of a balance of both. So I would really recommend you get 
on America's card room through our rake back link. By the way, you have to be a way worse poker player to make it as a pro at like small stakes. Because you think about it, you're playing 510, your total investment is $1,000, right? If you play 10 hundred and L player on a hundred and L tables, it, your total investment is a thousand dollars, but you're like the most you can lose is 10%. Right. And then you're just cranking up that rake back. Right. There was a lot of times when I did play cash games for a profession. Like I remember one time, like I had a break even month in South Korea and I hadn't checked my rake back statement and like, you know, like break even was like horrible for me. Right. At that time. Because I really needed the money. And then I got my rake back check and it was $3,000, right? Yeah. And it was like, you, you know, I think you need a balance. Like, I think during the weekdays, a lot of times you should be playing on, like, you should be playing online. Or, like, online at nights is really sick, uh, the weekday nights right now. Especially with, like, Americans who, like, God bless my country, man. They throw money around, man. Like, they're there to gamble. Like, the, the Finnish guy, I mean, that, ki- that Finnish kid we just talked to has probably been playing poker for six days, and he knows more than me. But, man, my, my countrymen, man, they just throw money around for 20 years if they have to. And it's, it's popping off online right now. Whereas, like, I don't know, half the time I go to a card room in the United States, like, on a Thursday night, it's, like, me and, like, 20 other pissed-off regs and, like, trying to get money yeah. from them. It's like drawing money from a rock, uh, getting water out of a rock is what I was trying to say. But yeah. Anyway, by the way, I just noticed my, did you watch WPT growing up? Mm, the, the odd one. The odd one. Yeah. It's not as big in your guys is, it was like, I, I have like these 20 phrases from Mike Sexton and I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm reading, I'm reading. I, the first time I read the Bible, I realized all these phrases are from the Bible. Like every, he was like trying to get money out of this guy. He's like trying to get water out of a rock. That's Moses. And it's like, you know, it, whenever a guy's really patient, he has the but patience we, we of say, Job. We say, we say blood from a stone. Blood, blood from, from a, a stone, man. You guys always make it. Yeah. It's so much more <laughs> hardcore in your man. Blood, you can't get blood out of a stone. <laughs> well, it's like, well, it's like we, we, in America, we say like, if you give them an inch, they take a mile. But when I was in Germany, yeah. it's like, if you give them your finger, they take your hand. It's like, Jesus, oh. <laughs> that's <laughs> scary, man. Uh, okay, well, yeah, that's, I think just to add to that, I know some guys that play live for a living, like in the UK, and it's a grind, especially if you don't live next to casinos and you've got to drive the ex- added expense and stuff like that. It, it all adds up to your bottom line, like your win, you know, your big blinds per hour and stuff. And like Alex says, I mean, maybe look online in some sort of, you know, even a capacity like during the week, like Alex said, and then save it for when the games are juicy and stuff, you know. See, that's probably more profitable. It's probably your best option. Di- diversify, just like it's a portfolio. That's it. Uh, okay, the next question is from Dominic. McAvoy. Uh, Hello lads, I really love the show. Great strategy and good crack. Barry, I listened to the past episode where you interviewed Jared Tendler. Great interview, but only one problem. You never cursed once. Uh, (laughs) I I, I, I can't believe that. Actually, I was devastated. It's making me question whether you're truly Scottish. (laughs) Uh, At at times, your accent sounded English. Next... (laughs) 
Oh. Next next time you have Jared on, just greet him with, hello, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all will be forgiven and I can start rebuilding my life again. <laughs> that's, that's funny. That's um, en- <laughs> yeah, anyway, my anyway my poker question. And just to touch on that, it's like, like Alex said as well, it's not a conscious decision. Like me and Alex haven't spoke behind the scenes saying, right, we really need to stop <laughs> swearing as much and stuff or anything like that. I just, it's the way I talk. And yeah. Like, the way I do this show is too much work for me to um, sit and script it or sit and think, you know, I, I'm being honest, I'm too lazy, you know, to do that and <laughs> polish it, you know. And I think it dilutes it and people seem to like it. Like, our, our loyal listeners and everyone that does like it and sends in the questions and shares it, then they like this format. And it, it's just by accident because, as I say, it's the way I talk. When me and Alex are talking off the recording, I talk exactly the same, you know. So um, I think that's the best way to do things. But uh, yeah, with Jared, I was probably just extended. I mean, Jared's a very uh, almost Buddha Yoda Yoda uh, <laughs> type type person, and he pro- I was probably just you know like that's the way the rapport was built with him. Um, it was the level he was calming. I was maybe calmer than. Than talking to jumped up caffeine head Alex, uh. like, you know, <laughs> played the skip. You know, he gets he gets me going. So uh, anyway, Dominic's poker question um, is: I've been playing poker for five years as a recreational player. I love the game, but I would like to ask Alex about check raising on Twitch. When Alex sees a good spot for a check raise, I'm thinking I would fold in the same spot, which is weak. Sometimes I check raise when I'm out of position with draws. But that's it, really. Is there anywhere else I can start bringing this into my game? Also, if you have time, well, we'll, we'll see then. Question two, is, it's a different question. Um, but let, let's just go for that one then. Yeah, He's a recreational sure. player, loves the game, uh, check raise, or anywhere else he can start bringing that into his game. He does it for uh, out of position draws, check raise and draws. I mean, I was just thinking about something you were saying. Like, I think, yeah, you and I don't make a conscious decision about like I, I you and I were just talking one time and it was like, you know what man, we got a sponsor now. We're we're still pretty raunchy. Let's not like you know what I mean, we don't have to push the limit every time time. But I, I was thinking I don't know, I was I, I was in the Bahamas and I was like I was talking to a guy, he was like running a store and we were talking about how we both had to like clean up our English, right? Because he obviously the Bahamas accents, you know, like the foreigners don't catch them, right? And, you know, it, it's weird because, like, people give you a hard time and, like, people give me a hard time, right? They were like, because when we talk with our families, it's a bit different. But I think at some point in business, you have to do it or you don't survive, you know what I mean? Because the more people understand you, the more you're building, the more things are going. So but go white it up, everybody. Go make your language really uh, hoity-toity. Remember those English classes. But anyway, the check raise... I'm actually doing a webinar on this. It's going to be on the 30th we do this. So if you guys want, you know, to contact me, we can send you like the introductory articles and see if you're into it. Uh, you can check out on pokerheadrush.com on the strategy section. There's an article called flatting out a position that goes into the check raise a bit, but I'd never really like devoted myself totally and i was oh you can also buy the webinar as well you cheap guys come on anyway but like uh 
you can like uh i've never really been able to like get into check raising as much and i realized recently with the twitch broadcast it was a pretty big part of my game and a lot of people were pretty surprised by it but a lot of it is just simple mathematics right so it's uh, uh let's say you have uh you have like kings seven of hearts right and you flat out of the big blind uh, you could three bet this hand, but heads up, it works well as a flat, flat as well. The board comes five of hearts, three of clubs, two of clubs. So if the guy's opening 15% of the time on that board, he's going to be bricking like no pair nor no draw 55 plus percent of the time. And if you just keep extending his range to more of these like nine, seven suiteds and ace eight offsuits and what have you a lot of hands that people do open from like any which position these days uh or even just two broadway cards or stuff suited connectors he's going to be missing 60 65 percent of the time on this board you also have if you were to check raise on this board you have a lot of outs now the seven might be a reverse implied odd because possibly the guy could have a seven but most likely he doesn't have three seven or two seven so the seven's an okay card, and the king is an, an excellent card because most likely he didn't have the king deuce off or something like that in his opening range. So you could fire down on that, and you could also fire down on hearts, uh, backdoor flush draws, because if you bet like half the pot on the turn, that'll need to work 33% of the time. But if the guy flatted you on that board, most likely he doesn't have an overpair. Most likely he doesn't have a set. Most likely he doesn't have a straight. Most likely he doesn't have, like, the nut flush draw. So it, if you – it most of his range is just going to be calling you on the turn if they do anything. So then you get another uh, – you get another 18% pull on the river, which means your turn bet really actually only has to work about 15% of the time. So you're just stacking equity on equity. But the big thing – you need to think of, uh, and also one more point there, if he just flats you, a lot of times he doesn't have a flush draw of two overs, so the the clubs on the turn become your outs as well. You get to fire them as well because most likely he doesn't have them. And uh, But the big thing you need to focus on is like a 15% range is going to brick 55% of the time. I always try to break down my strategies into the minimum effective dose, okay? There's a lot of... 15%, 20 25% ranges, if you just put it on your Flopzilla, uh, if you want to deal on Flopzilla, you can write me at assassinoutcoaching at gmail.com. You put the range in, you put out the board, and you see how often the guy hits, and a lot of times you're going to find the guy's bricking 55 60% of the time. Now, if you check raise to the size of the pot, which uh, is a pretty tremendous check raise size. Like, if I saw a guy check raise the size of the pot versus me i wouldn't be thinking i can three bet this fool right i'm just like oh you know this guy hit a pretty big hand or a pretty big draw because that tends to be that's what i modeled the play after because that that's my natural reaction i know that's based on uh, uh i know that's based on uh normalcy like we can go through no caddy reports and see that that's typically what the guy has and uh if you check race to the size of the pot, your bet needs to work 50% of the time. But if the guy literally does not have, like, a pair of twos or better, like, 55 60% of the time, it's going to – unless the guy has a bluff in his range, there is no chance this play is unprofitable. Now, the reason a lot of people shy away from check raises 
is they don't know what to do on the term. Well, here's, here's the thing. <clears throat> if you don't know what to do, if you just check folded every single time and just focused on that uh, flops with Flopzilla, the guy, you know, the guy's bricking 60% of the time, I check raise, and it needs over 47% of the time, you, you'll be fine. You'll make money, especially at like the small stakes tournaments. You'll make money for the rest of your life. Uh, and a lot of times the reason it's a good check raise is why it's a bad double barrel. It's a good check raise because the guy has a ton of hands and he goes to only to the turn with very strong hands, which means he's folding a lot. Now, if we fire turn, that kind of goes back on our strategy because like, wait a minute, I thought he only had good hands on this card. So you, you, I tend to randomize with like my backdoor draws my hands that are like, you know, like my overcard and backdoor draws and uh, stuff like that. It's like, it's not quite good enough to check call. Uh, it, donk leading is interesting, but I don't think it's going to be as effective, especially if the stack sizes are like 23 to like 33x. Like a check raise is just going to be like, well, play for all your chips are full. Have fun. So I, I end up like check raising there as opposed to donk leading or check, fold, uh, check folding or check calling because I think it's the most effective option. And uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say you touched on, I think, I don't know if it was with, with recording in advance the shows, it was maybe a couple of shows back, but you, you said a really good thing that really hit home with me, especially in live games, but also probably online as well. You said like, it works great against pros, like guys like yourself. If you do, like, if your check raise, you know, bluffing um, the pots, then, then make it big because guys like yourself yeah. hate playing big pots like, against, you know, like amateurs. And like you said, there's a lot of it that because they, if they get turned over the nuts, then it's like, of course that was the nuts. It's like some, <laughs> yeah. it's some amateur that's just like, you know, check raise the pot. Like, what do you think it was sort of thing? Exactly, so, uh, exactly. And a lot of times, like, if you watch, like, Phil, Phil Galfond and I played some pots in Scoop, and, uh, like, when he check raises versus me, it's, like, close to, not like he knows who the hell I am, but, like, when he check raises versus me out of position, it's pretty big. Because, essentially, if you're out of position, uh, it, it, it's really good position is as important as how many streets you see. If guy gets to collect information, pre-flop, flop, turn, river, position becomes quite a detriment. If he only gets to collect information on the flop, and by that time you've structured a bet that allows you to know pretty precisely what he has, and the turn and river are pretty easy to play, his positional advantage has just effectively been neutralized. So if you check raise pretty big and it's like, well, this guy will now continue with his premium second pairs, his top pairs, his good draws or nothing. And then he calls the turn doesn't become that hard. If it hurts what he just called with, go ahead and fire. If it doesn't check fold, but when position really hurts you is when you check raise really small and the guy calls you and it's like, well, he could be floating me. He could have third pair. He could have the nuts, and he's slow playing. I don't know. And now I have to fire turn and river, you know, I was going to say negligently, blindly. I have no idea what I'm doing here now, you know. So it's a – I think the check raise really needs to be in your game. It really defends you a lot. I get a lot of people, like, checking back and giving me extra cards and letting me hit, like, sets I probably – you know, like, it's amazing when I have, like, threes and the board comes, like – king jack 10 
And, like, the guy's terrified of me. Check raises me and checks back, and it's, like, three turn. And it's, like, sweet. You know? <laughs> it's, like... And there's free a... Free card. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Free cards really add up. It also... I, I mean, it makes a lot of people really predictable, because what ends up happening is they don't want to get check raised when they have a hand. So they... Uh, on that King Jack 10 board, they'll always check back a King, a Jack, or a 10, but they'll fire when they don't have it. And with the Assassin on a HUD now, I have, like, a readout that shows me what people, like, check back. And, like, you know, if I see, like, top pair, second pair, second pair, top pair, bottom pair, it's like when he fires the flop, what could he have? He has a set, two pair, or nothing, and there's a lot more combinations of nothing than there are of a set. So I end up check-raising, and it becomes more effective. So it's, uh, I really think this is the future. This is also how you defend yourself. Like, people are making, like, really small three-bets these days. And uh, this is how you defend yourself versus them, because most people do not three-bet, then check back the flop. If they do check back the flop, they have a little something. Uh, the, usually, if they three-bet, and if they have nothing, well, you just flatted pre-flop, I'm going to fire. And uh, if you can check-raise them... Like, they're going to start three-betting you a lot less. Or if they do keep three-betting you out of stubbornness, they're just going to keep three-bet, C-betting, uh, folding. The great thing with Null Limit Hold'em is the stacks are very... You can put people into these spots where it's like, you will need to move all in to prove me wrong. And if you are wrong, you will need to table the A7 high. And hopefully, it, there is a possibility I will be tabling the obvious middle set like the amateur player does and you are going to look like a fool right and uh this is not cash games where you can like muck the hand if you so desire that doesn't happen in tournaments especially live like you put i've, I've played with some of the best players in the world and i just i don't I, you know people are like why weren't you intimidated of doc sands and it's like well doc sands has to look like an idiot too if he jams on me with king high and i know doc sands doesn't you know, and it was like, it, he, I know he doesn't want to do that. And a lot of these guys don't know who I am, which is nice. And uh, even if they do, it's like, well, Alex is putting my balls in a vice right now. But, like, uh, you know, what am I going to do about it? Am I really going to shove, like, fourth pair? Am I going to call with it? I, I don't, you know, it, you, they just, like, can't really see it. So, like, I love playing against these guys because they do their bets like they normally would do. And then, like, you know, then you check-raise big. Like, a lot of people, you know, they're expecting you to check-raise small. They can three-bet you or to flat or something. Then you, like, check-raise the size of the pot, and they're like, they, they look like, I can't believe you're not allowed to do that. Like, that's, you know, that's not part of the rules of the game. And it's like, <coughs> people forget it's called no limit for a reason. You are allowed to bet anything at any time. You can use that. There's sometimes, like, let's say the board comes, like, king, king, two, like, rainbow, right? Guy C-bets, and I know if I check-raise anything, he's going to want to come over the top. So it's like, okay, 1.5x the pot. You know, the bet needs to work 60% of the time, but for sure you are not defending 40-plus percent of the time here. Because if he three-bets that and his backer sees him, and everybody, well, every one of these guys has a backer now. It, so, sorry to interject there, Alex. What you're saying then is by inflating the pot so much, it then makes him coming back like all the more preposterous. Less, like, but, yeah, 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 it's right. Prepos if his backer sees him check raise uh, three bet over a guy who just check raise 1.5x the size of the pot, he's going to look like 
uh, he's going to look pretty stupid if he's wrong. You know what I mean? And nobody really thanks you when you're right. There, it's like, oh, well, of course he didn't have it. Who would check raise with the king there <laughs> that big? It's kind of a weird, duplicitous way to look at it. But, like, there's no real way for a lot of these guys to win. Now, the thing you guys got to remember is this stuff works for me, and I do a weekly radio show where I tell people how to bluff me and how my bluffs work, okay? And it still works, you know what I mean? And uh, just to give you an idea how big the player pools are, I've, like, ridden for – you know, like I write articles like sometimes weekly. I do weekly podcasts. I do training videos. I do a Twitch broadcast. And still player after player after player after player doesn't know this. In your guys' games, especially, I love working with like uh, the 40-somethings, right? I love it when they play, right? I'm like, you know, like put on a really nice like polo shirt and like a hat no pro would wear, like a Venetian hat, right? Put that on. And, like, just show up at the game and take it a little too seriously and look like you don't know something. And then you check-raise people like this. Like, nobody's going to play back at you. It's really fun. Put the check-raise in your game, Dominic. And uh, in private, we'll, uh, we'll swear more, okay? Yeah. And, okay, he's got a second part of the question. He's got, also, if you have time, question two, I know I'm a cheeky bastard. <laughs> um, so... We'll, and he's also said, any help would be great. Love the show, The Rants, and Alex's Twitch channel. So I think we'll end the show with the second part of his question. Okay, we, cool. if, you, if you can go a little bit on how can he get better at playing different stack sizes, 50, big, 50 blinds plus, I'm okay. 20 big blinds and less, I'm okay. But between 50 and 20 big blinds, I'm having trouble, especially when opening from earlier positions see betting and going to the turn I when I have a weak or marginal hand before I know I've lost half my stack by the river. It's, uh, I mean, a, a lot of it is purposeful practice. So you got to find, like, uh, you don't want to just, like, a lot of people would be like, well, just play a lot of tournaments. And it's like, I know guys who've played 50,000 tournaments and they do not have a pro- profit on poker stars. So that that obviously isn't the answer. It's like we've all driven our cars 10,000 hours, but we're not Mario Andretti, you know. So it, it, you need to, like, find specific strategies that work really well from those stack sizes and try to implement them. And I'll give you some of the basics. Uh, opening from earlier position is a lot more strenuous from these stacks because obviously you're, you just can't fire down as much as you'd like to. And uh, so I just, I I muck like the ass end of my range a lot of times. Like uh, I I probably open twos through fives a little more than I should, but a lot of guys just muck them. Uh, Like I'll muck like a king queen off and ace jack off from early positions. Uh, I do a lot of three bet semi bluffing. You can read an article about that on pokerheadrush.com because most of the time uh, from like 30 to 40 X, like your flop C bet will, you'll be putting the guy in the position you hate being in right now where it's like he can't really, if he calls off, there's like a pot size bet left. He can't, he feels like he can't really fold the turn. So therefore he can't really call this flop C bet. He can't really check raise because it's too many of his chips. So they end up just folding a lot. So I do a lot of three bets in position with, uh, Hands that are just below my flatting range. So, like, if king-10 suited is my flatting range, like, king-8 suited will become, like, the best hand I can bluff with that I couldn't flat with. 
and uh, I'll, I'll use that as opposed to a hand I could flat with because I want to keep uh, a pretty broad flatting range and a pretty broad three betting range. And also a lot of check raising, uh, a lot of like flatting from the big blind versus the frequent openers and putting people in these goofy spots. And also uh, when you flat from the blinds here, you have an advantage that a lot of people cannot double barrel bluff from like 30x unless they're like from Latvia because I don't know why that country loves really small bets on the turn. Uh, but uh, you uh, like from a 30 to 35x stack, you could be flatting more from the big blind because a lot of people just cannot double barrel you off of your weak second and third pairs like they could from 50x plus. So you can play there and also your check raises uh, are going to be a lot more effective because the guy's going to have to put it all in to prove you're wrong. And most guys just aren't going to be able to do that. And, uh, yeah, uh, I, th I think, uh, I, yeah, you're going to, uh, you have to get a little better at flatting three bets as well. And, like, knowing what you're going to do post-flop, because then that limits how much people will do it to you. But, yeah, uh, uh, go, go ahead and be a little more careful out of uh, early position, three bet more in position, and call down more from the blinds and uh, get a lot of hands in, try to focus on one of those concepts per day, try to stack the hands up where you exercised actions you wouldn't have done before, uh, mark the hands, review them, learn from them, try to get feedback from wherever you can, reevaluate, reassess, reinitialize, go back in, play better, win. Good luck to you. And this is where I'll be Alex's sort of PR guy. And um, what I would say to do is uh, take on board what Alex has said there, and then maybe I don't know what your bankroll is. Um, if you can just, you know, if you can afford uh, someone like Alex just yeah. now, or maybe stick some money, stick some money aside, and then eventually just even one lesson, and then Alex, uh, I'm sure w would do this, and I, I know he's with having that lessons himself. You can sort of tailor it, Alex, can't you? I mean, he could yeah. come and say, right, I want to, I want to work on. 50, uh, 20 big blinds to 50 big blinds and bring some hands along hand histories from th that sort of range yeah. and uh, you could go through with them with them like on a one-to-one -one level and uh, don't feel uh, about you know acting or sounding stupid with Alex because I've still got my first uh, lesson with him and I remember actually saying to you Alex uh, please treat me like I'm a moron. You know, I was like, I, I, I was, I said something like, you know, please treat me like I'm a moron and I have no clue about poker. And I've been playing maybe about three or four years because I was like, I want to know, I want to unlearn shit that I've learned, you know, mm -hmm. and like start winning. And uh, that's a good way to do it. So uh, yeah, like you, you could always do that. So there you go. I'll get my, I'll get my cut off Alex later. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll get my, I'll get, you'll throw me a dollar, you know? I'll throw <laughs> so, a two, two pence. TGI, TGI's uh, buffet voucher. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I don't hate you that much, Barry. No. Uh, do that to okay. you. <laughs> like, uh, that's yeah, it. So um, yeah, that's all the questions we've got time for this week. Uh, Peter McCarthy emailed in and is really extensive so we're going to do that next show and also a few guys on Twitter contacted me with questions which we'll get to next show as well um, please keep them coming in anyone if you've sent them in before you can send in more there's no charge for the questions as usual email questions at oneouter.com or tweet them to me at oneouter.com or post them in the Facebook page 
uh, keep them coming in for Alex. As I say, really, you know, it is the show. Me and Alex like to have a good chat and rant about random stuff, but it's all about giving you something as well. And then hopefully, you know, some of you will uh, join America's card room through the, the banner or the ad and or take on Alex for like private lessons and stuff like that as well. Um, Alex, if people do want that, how can they contact you and uh, get in touch with you about all your offerings? Yeah, uh, go to Assassin Auto Co- Well, write me at assassinocoaching at gmail.com if you guys have questions about anything. Uh, for the time being, I have a full-time assistant who's there to assist you. And, uh, yeah, the lessons we do are pretty – just something I, I wanted to share is I've been studying – like, because I never seem to stop working in my off hours when I'm reading now, I've been reading a lot about performance and I realize like how to do lessons a lot more, uh, a, a lot more intense now and make sure you're remembering a lot of what we talk about. And my experiments with it have been really, really cool. And, uh, yeah, we, you know, we can exercise that if you want a example of this, the most expensive option is personal lessons, but we have lots of other things. Uh, we, if you want to sign up for card runners using promo code free month, all capital letters, it, uh, <coughs> uh, that'll get you two months access to the site for $30, which is a $130 discount. And you can watch, uh, I have some videos coming out, uh, called how to study. You can see like the first couple, uh, up, up there and it's just about you know talking about like how you deconstruct topics make things really simple and then execute and also how you can teach yourself that's coming out there i just shot two new videos those should be up here pretty soon and there's a lot of like uh hand history reviews and me showing you how i use all my tools there and uh yeah we're gonna be having i i have done a lot of webinars which is essentially like group classes and we focus on a lot of these topics you guys want to improve on. We have one on donk betting that's available for immediate download. Uh, I had one where I had ape styles come in and like explain the stuff that normally students have to pay like $2,000 to learn. And then there's, uh, there's like uh, you flat too much, which really explains like three bet semi bluffing. And we're about to have this new webinar. It'll probably be available for download by the time you hear this called that's a check raise fool. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be all about check-raising, when people three-bet you how to flat them and check-raise them, how to make sh- sure people don't attack your blind and all that. And most of these are really cheap. Like, uh, you flat too much is $60. Uh, this new webinar is going to be like $80. Uh, the one on donk betting was $80. Uh, it, it, they're really great ways to, like, elevate your game and, like, really see, like, all my research in a particular area. Uh, so be sure to check those out and be sure to favorite my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash the so you can watch me playing and it doesn't cost you a thing. And be sure to check out pokeredrush.com. That's kind of the site. That's more of my fun site where I have like just, you know, like the life rants and stuff like that. I posted like I, I've started like just posting my journals there and like people like I, I've never like written them for anyone it's just me. It's like almost like a binder for like, you know, like YouTube clips and beats and like thoughts on life. And people were just like jonesy into that. And there's like, uh, you know, I'm like, I was posting like metal albums about like uh, dystopian, like Asian crap. And then like, 
you know, new hip hop albums I'm listening to, like new movies I'm watching. And, you know, there's like reviews of poker books. There's like strategy articles that don't appear anywhere else. There's rap battles. There's uh, all the deals we got are right there. So be sure to check that out at PokerHeadRush.com. Pretty much that's the hub. Anything you need to know is there. And, yeah, write us at assassinatecoaching at gmail.com if you have any questions. And thanks for listening, man. Be sure to tell a friend about this podcast. Perfect. Uh, Until the next time, keep your questions coming in, and we'll see you then. Cheers. Cheers. Million Dollar Sundays are here to stay. Playing a $1 million tournament is now a regular thing with the Million Dollar Sundays. Coming on Sunday, August 2nd at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, we're hosting a $1 million guaranteed no-limit Texas Hold'em tournament where the winner walks away with $200,000. This is our third Million Dollar tourney with more lined up in the future. You're going to love the Million Dollar Sundays tournament with daily free rolls to win your seat for free Tons of satellites to qualify for a fraction of the cost and free bank wires for the top nine finishers. Don't miss your chance to win part of the $1 million guaranteed. Qualify today for the Million Dollar Sundays Poker Tournament. AmericasCardRoom.com